What's up, guys? <laughs> Let's try that again. What's up, guys? Hey, well, welcome to Fireside Chats with Stal. Um, hopefully, you guys are cozy. Hopefully, you're wearing some flannel. I brought some friends with me. Can you tell everyone your name? Abby. Thank you so much, Abby. Can you tell everyone your name? I'm Daniel. Awesome. Well, hey, these guys are going to be hanging out with me as we start our conversation, as we warm up by the fire. Just don't get too close, okay? I don't want you to burn some hair or something. Hey, thank you guys for, for being here, for hanging out with us. Um, I wanted to start our series off a little bit different tonight. I wanted to share some stories with you guys from the Old Testament, the New Testament. We're going to journey a little bit, and we'll get to our time of teaching. But I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to talk about the Holy Spirit and just have this conversation around the fire with you guys. Are you guys down with that? Let's, let's try that one more time. Through the mask, just project your voice. Are you guys down with that? Awesome, awesome. Well, I want to have this conversation with you guys because the, the, the thought is this. We're starting this new series about the Holy Spirit. And you guys know that. We, we've been promoting it a little bit, and uh, you've seen the graphic tonight. And the interesting thing about the Holy Spirit is this. I feel like we really just don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Now, some old traditions call it the Holy Ghost, um, and so these aren't spooky stories. They're just stories about uh, the Holy Spirit that we want to have together, conversations we want to have. But the truth is this, that, that we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. We definitely don't teach about it a lot. If I could tell you guys about my experience, it was almost like four years ago, I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine, and I kept talking about the Holy Spirit. And every time I mentioned the Holy Spirit, I kept referencing it by saying, it. I would say that the Holy Spirit in my life, it does this. The Holy Spirit in my life, it, it has this kind of effect. And this person I was talking to was a mentor of mine. And so he just kind of stopped me. He said, Stel, hold on, time out, wait for a second. He said, do you realize that every time you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're mentioning the Holy Spirit as an it? I was like, huh, I never thought about that before. Now, grammatically, that is correct, okay? He, she, it. I mean, it, is, it makes sense, it's correct. But the truth is that in the Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a difficult concept for us to explain because there's nothing else like this in creation. There's nothing else like this in the world that's, that's three and one where they're separate, they're distinct, but they're the same, and the three parts are really one. Uh, I don't know, Daniel, did you, take, did you go through confirmation here with us? Okay, Abby, did you go through confirmation here? Okay, not here. Well, in, in confirmation, one of the things that we talk about is the Holy Spirit. And we say that we, we, we try to have these analogies and we try to compare it to different things. And we talk about the Holy Spirit being like the parts of an egg. I don't know if you remember that, if you were there that week, if you were paying attention. Um, but like we say like just the way that, like the way an egg has a shell and then it has the yolk, and then it has the white part. And we try to say, that, well, there's three, they're all components of the egg, they're different. But, but, but those comparisons just don't pale in, in the real comparison in, in what Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit actually are together. It's something that we can't fathom, we can't grasp. And so we try, we try to understand and we try to see and we try to think about, but it's something very, very unique. The other interesting thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit was, was with God uh, since the beginning, actually at creation. You guys know the first book of the Bible, right? Genesis, okay, just make sure you're paying attention. Good job. Hey, let's, let's give a little cheer, a little whoop whoop through the mask for my man Daniel over here. Okay, okay, we got it. Well, we're gonna get Abby here in a second. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter one, verse one, you know the verse, you've heard this before. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the, the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, it's interesting because here it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and everything was without form, without void, and it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering. But the truth is that people think that it, in this verse, we're also talking about Jesus. You see, in Colossians 1.16, it says this, For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So if all things were created through Jesus and by Jesus, and it says, in the beginning, God created, then God the Father is there, Jesus the Son is there, and then it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God tends to do this. It, the, the Spirit tends to hover over things. It comes upon things or people. The first example, the most clear example we have is with the first king of Israel, the first physical king of Israel, and that's King Saul. You see, the people of Israel wanted to be like everybody else. They just wanted to be cool like everyone. They wanted to fit in like all the other nations. And all the other nations had kings, and they said, man, we want a king. And, and in the scripture, it says that God wanted to be their king, but they're like, no, we, we want like a physical king, a king that we can see, that we can touch in real life. And so they, they, they asked for a king, and God eventually gave them Saul. And in, in the Bible, it says that the Spirit of God came on Saul. And Saul was an incredible worry, warrior, not someone who worried, a warrior, someone who fought. And he brought great victories and, and won battles for the people of Israel. And, and he helped them, and he did these great things and great accomplishments. But eventually, pride started to creep into his life. There were things that he was, was thinking too highly of himself about. He started to give himself uh, a claim, like all the success for the victories that they were having. He started to think that he was all that and a bag of chips. He thought he was incredible. He thought he was awesome. And eventually he even created a statue in his honor. And, and eventually he doesn't repent. He kind of keeps going deeper in, this, in this, this rabbit hole of pride and thinking so highly of himself that eventually says that the spirit of God departed from him. The spirit of God left him. And then the Spirit of God came on the second king of Israel, King David. You've probably heard of him. He's known as a king or a man after God's own heart. He was still to this day the best king that Israel has ever seen. And King David, very much like Saul, started incredibly well. You know, he had his slingshot skills. He also was a warrior. He slayed twice as many people as Saul did. He could play a mean harp. And he was just incredible. And the Spirit of God was on him. The Spirit of God blessed what he did, took care of him and, and all the things that he had and all the affairs of the kingdom. And then one day, we know the story well, King David sins as well. He, 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 he sees this woman bathing and he, he starts to lust after her and, and the story progresses that he ends up sleeping with her and, and things kind of take a turn for the worse and he tries to cover things up when he finds out she's pregnant. He, he ends up trying to, to kill her husband. And he gets confronted, and differently than Saul, he actually is willing to, to confess and to repent of his mistake. And Psalm 51, and probably one of the, the more famous psalms, is, is the psalm of David's confession. And as he's praying there, all these ways that he's confessing to God, one of the things that he says is so interesting. He says, God, do not let your spirit depart from me. You see, he had seen what happened to Saul, how the Spirit came on Saul, blessed him, and then the Spirit departed from Saul. And he said in a similar way, God, your Spirit is on me. Please don't take it away from me. 
because he understood that there was a blessing. He understood that there was this, this incredible favor that he had because the Holy Spirit was on him. And then we move to people like Elijah, a prophet of God. He had the spirit on him as well. And, and, and so much so that, that he started to display the spirit with great power. There's incredible stories about Elijah and the, the power of the spirit. And actually next week, we're gonna, we're gonna sit around this fire and tell some of those stories. So I don't wanna go too far in depth on that. Just know that Elijah experienced the power of the spirit. And after Elijah, there was another prophet. It was his, his follower. It was his apprentice. And his name was Elisha. Very creative, I know. Spelled differently, Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha came after him, and when Elisha was praying to God, one of the things that he prayed, he said, God, my prayer, my desire is that I would get a double portion of your spirit that Elijah had. And so God grants him that prayer. He says, Elisha, you're gonna get double the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he does incredible things, but one of the, the most interesting stories to me is that towards the end of his life, after he's actually dead, he, he, he's buried into a tomb. And many years later, these guys are, are burying the body of their friend, who just some random dude that, that passed away that they knew. And as they're preparing the tomb to bury their friend, they actually see like these, these enemies coming from a far off land. And they're starting to get nervous because they know these enemies are going to come and they're going to try to to, to steal from them and pillage. And, and, and so they don't know what to do. And, and they've got this body that they're, they're burying, creating a tomb. And so they take him and they throw him inside of Elisha's tomb. And no joke, this is in the Bible. When, when the body of their friend hits the bones, the decomposing bones of Elisha, whew, power of the Holy Spirit comes off of the bones and this guy comes back to life. I mean, it's incredible. The Holy Spirit comes on people. The Holy Spirit goes off of people. The Holy Spirit gives power. Then we get to Jesus. And Jesus walks all over the place and he spends time with his disciples. He's doing ministry. He's, he's living life with them. And towards the end of his life, towards the end of his time on earth, he says to the disciples this. He says, it is better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, can come. Man, that is so interesting to me because if, if I were to say to you, if you wanted to have dinner with like a famous person of history, if I were to say to you, if you could meet anyone in the world, if I were to say to you, what's one thing that would help like, boost your faith? So many of us would say, man, I would just want to spend some time with Jesus. I'd love to sit down and ask him questions. I'd love to be there when he was walking on water. I'd love to see the miracles that he has done. And yet the truth is that Jesus himself said, it's to your advantage. You are better off if I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is like, no, you want the Holy Spirit. It's so interesting. And so Jesus has his conversations with the disciples and he says to them towards the end of his time, the very last words, he says, listen, you're, you're, you're gonna stay in Jerusalem, wait there because the Holy Spirit is coming. And eventually on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit does come. And we're gonna look at some of these verses in a minute. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it says that, that the whole room started to, to shake and there was like this wind and all of a sudden there was tongues of fire and we don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means, but the people in the room started to speak different languages. You see, for the, for the, for the day of Pentecost, people had traveled from all over the world. They had come from, from all different kinds of places. And then they started to hear the disciples speaking the message of God in their own native tongue. I want to use this comparison for a second. Have you ever been in New York City? Have you ever been in New York City? What's one of your favorite places in New York? 
Broadway, okay, I love Broadway. I lived up in Long Island for about five years before I moved down here, and I, and I love New York. I love going to New York City. We were probably about a 40-minute train ride, and so we would go in for special events and, and shows and plays and, and going to the movies and doing different things. But one of my favorite places of New York City is, is Times Square. First of all, because no matter what time of night you're there, it's, it's always, something's always going on, something's always happening. They have the LED walls, and they've got the, the ads, and they've got people walking everywhere, cars, taxis, everything is going on. And, and, and one of the things about New York City is incredible is that it's, we call it the melting pot, the, the place where all these people from all these different places come and end up there. And I want you to imagine for a second, there's people from like China, and there's people from different countries in Europe, or maybe there's people from Africa, and there's people from Australia, and I know that they still speak English, technically. Um, and there's people from all over the place, and they're all gathered there in Times Square. And imagine if the day of Pentecost had happened there. It'd be like you're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden what you're saying, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, he rose again, and all the things that you're proclaiming, it's like the dude from China can understand and hear it in his own language. And the guy from Italy, eating the pizza, he understands it in his own language. And, and the guy from France and the guy from Germany and, and the people from Africa, and everyone is hearing the message of Jesus in their own tongue. And that's because of the Holy Spirit. So I want to thank you guys for coming to, to my campfire, for coming and hanging out with me. And I want to continue to share with you guys a little bit more about what happens after the day of Pentecost. You see, in Scripture, in, in the, the first thing that we have to understand when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're in the book of Acts, but the first thing that we have to understand is that when the Spirit of God comes, something very different, something very unexplainable happens, or, or different from how Jesus explained it. You see, at the beginning of, of Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, at some point, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But there's a word there that says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And again, the disciples knew the Old Testament, so they were probably thinking about what was happening back in the day, and they were thinking, yes, the Holy Spirit will come upon us, just like it came on Saul, just like it came on David. The Holy Spirit will come and will rest and will give me favor, will give me strength, or, or whatever it is. But you see, it says here that the Holy Spirit came and it filled them. In, in, in chapter 2, verse 4, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit arriving, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, if you have a cup and you fill it, where does the water go? This is not a trick question. If you have a cup and you fill it with water, where does the water go? What? In the cup. You see, up until this point, the Spirit of God came and rested upon people. And now the Spirit of God came and filled and went inside of people. The first thing that we need to understand is that, is that there is a big difference between on and in. There's a big difference between the word on and the word in. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came, but he came on just like a jacket, just like a coat. He would come on someone and they would give them strength and he would give them guidance and he would give them abilities. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and would come inside and dwell inside the hearts of the believers. In our last series, Welcome Home, we said we are family. Jesus calls us family when we enter into a relationship with him. And it's true to us today, if we enter into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes 
and dwells inside of us. But the other thing that we see is that the Holy Spirit gives us power. He says here in Acts 1 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on to you. There is power when the Holy Spirit comes. You know, here in the Greek, this word for power is, is the word dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. Dunamis. It's the word for power. It's actually the word from which we get dynamite. Boom. There's explosive Holy Spirit power, the same kind of power that, that allowed uh, the, this person to come back to life after touching Elisha's bones. The same type of power that we're going to learn about next week with Elijah, where he was able to do incredible, miraculous things. You have access to power from the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And yet each and every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We struggle with what that even means. You know, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will be inside of us. He'll help us say no to temptation. This is the Holy Spirit living inside of us will help us understand Scripture. This is the Holy Spirit living inside of us prays for us when we don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is incredible, and he's living inside of each and every one of us if we've entered into a walk with, with God. But the truth is this. We live every single day as if the Holy Spirit isn't it, and the Holy Spirit doesn't really exist, and the Holy Spirit doesn't really change our lives. If we have that power living inside of us, how come we still struggle day in and day out with the same temptations? How can we still look at God's word and we just don't understand what we're reading? How can we live our lives and they look exactly the same? We don't feel like we have power. We don't feel like we're growing in our walk with him. We don't feel like we're being victorious over sin. Why is that? And what does that have to do with us? You see, the first thing that I think we understand as we study the Holy Spirit, the first implication of the Holy Spirit being inside of us is that we need to access the power. We need to access the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to take hold of it. We need to put it to work. We need to be able to see where it is and use it. And Jesus said, greater things than these you will go out and do. Greater things than what God himself, Jesus the Son, was doing, you will be able to accomplish because of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And yet if we're honest, we feel like we aren't doing greater things. Sometimes we feel like we aren't doing great things at all. Sometimes we're like, dude, I'm just like lost at life. Holy Spirit is inside of you. We need to access it. It will help us to fight sin. It will help us to live in relationship with Jesus. And I think the biggest reason why we aren't accessing the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us is because sometimes we just don't stop. We don't take time to read the Bible. We don't take time to go and to pray to God. We don't take time to wrestle with the truths that we learn here or in Sunday morning or in small group or in our personal devotion. Sometimes we don't have personal devotion. We're pulled in so many different directions. And listen, I understand it's, it's fun to do all these activities. It's fun to watch all these shows. It's fun to always have our headphones in and, and, and processing other information. But if we would just stop and slow down and turn off our phone for five minutes, and look at God's word, I think that the Holy Spirit will start to reveal himself to us. The Bible says he will help us understand truth. As we read the Bible, and, and, and I know I've been there, I've had questions. God, I don't understand what this means. And yet he says that the Holy Spirit will actually help us understand scripture. He's living inside of us. We can access his power. The second thing that we have to understand and do is that we need to use that power 
to change the world. Jesus doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit just so we can be like, yo, look, what's up? And live this like incredible life and, or, or do some kind of miraculous trick or something like that. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish his purpose, so that we can accomplish his mission. That's what Jesus is about. He's about reaching more people with the message of the gospel. That's why he says, you're going to receive power, and when you receive power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know, for them, this was like concentric circles. If you take a rock and you throw it in a pond, you start to see those little circles form. It was like Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's like saying, man, you're going to be my witnesses in, in Lexington, in Gilbert, and Red Bank, South Carolina, America, to the ends of the earth. The reason Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit is so we can advance his message, so we can advance the gospel to everyone and anyone who will listen. And what's interesting, too, is it says there, Samaria. Samaria was a place where, where they looked at the, the Samaritans and they didn't treat them with respect. In fact, they treated them like they were less than regular people. They treated them like they were less than, than, than Jewish people. They were racist towards them. They treated them with disrespect. And Jesus says, no, you're going to bring the gospel. You're going to bring the message in your, in your hometown, in your neighborhood, to your enemies, and even to the ends of the earth. And the beautiful thing in this story, in this passage, is that that's exactly what happens. Jesus kind of jumpstarts it already when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost and comes inside of the believers and they start speaking in tongues. All of these people are gathered through all over the world. The, the ends of the earth have come to Jerusalem. And as they start to proclaim in tongues of fire and people start to hear in their own languages this miraculous event that happens, they're already reaching the world. That's what Jesus is about. In fact, in Acts 1.8, we can say it like this. Jesus comes to be in us through his spirit. And we are in the world. And therefore, through us, Jesus himself is in the world. Jesus comes to be in us. We are in the world. And therefore, through us, Jesus is in the world. The reason he has given us the Holy Spirit, the reason he has given us access to the Spirit inside of our lives, the reason he has given us power of the Holy Spirit is to advance his kingdom. And yet so many times, so many days, where that's like the last thing on our mind. So we can pray, and we can ask God to come and be the center, and ask God to come and allow his spirit to be unleashed and his Holy Spirit power to work through us so that we can be witnesses for him all over the world. Let's pray. Jesus, Son of God, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, be with us tonight. Speak to our hearts. As we oftentimes don't think about the Holy Spirit stirring, we don't think about your power, Holy Spirit, I pray tonight in a mighty way that you would come and stir in our hearts, that you would challenge us and convict us, that we can pray to you, that we can stop and focus and access the power that you give inside of us. As scripture says, the power to fight temptation, the power to understand scripture, the power to comfort and console us, and the power to advance your kingdom. 
Jesus, make us to be more like you. Make us to think about the needs of others. Make us to focus on the mission field ahead of us in Lexington, Gilbert, and Red Bank, and South Carolina, and to the ends of the earth. Put a call in our hearts for the mission of the gospel. We love you, Jesus. We ask all these things in your holy name.